Welcome, everybody, to Mormons on Mushrooms. Uh, just a reminder that this is a storytelling podcast where we discuss alternative methods for healing from trauma and seeking a more fulfilling life. A lot of times on the podcast, we discuss triggering topics, and we ask that you make your personal mental health top priority. Uh, lastly, the opinions offered by our guests don't necessarily reflect the opinions of the hosts. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. Well, it's just the two of us tonight, bud. Just the two of us. We, we can, can make, make it, it if we try. Just uh, the two of us. I think we were flat. <laughs> I think we were too, but whatever. I think it's because of these. <laughs> I think it's because of these headphones. I wonder if uh, Seth can like uh, auto tune it. Uh, yeah, auto tune it. <laughs> <laughs> I was nothing but excited for like the last few weeks when we knew what we were going to talk about tonight. And then for some reason, like two hours before, the nerves started kicking in a little bit on this one. Oh, for tonight, really? Yeah, isn't that weird? That is weird. Do you want to, I mean, we can shift gears and put it off. We Like, honestly, no. we, could, we can talk about fucking the new season of whatever, for all I care. We can just talk about whatever. By the way, have you started watching The Last of Us? No. No, I haven't. Oh, you have to start watching The Last of Us. I um, At first, I was like resistant to it. My son really wanted to watch it just because I'm really burned by the walking dead. You know, like I lasted like a whole five seasons of that show. And I'm just like, Holy shit. Just like, I know everything repeats itself, but do we have to just keep repeating ourselves all the time? Well, but the thing about the walking dead that was like so repetitive is, is that finally like the fifth time the little, the little band of protagonists found another civilization that was like, militant and wanted them dead. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, I, f- I'm fucking tired of this. Like, <laughs> like shit or get off the pot walking dead. Like something's yeah. got to happen here. I, it can't just be this like endless recycled story about like, oh, well, you know, Rick, he's, he does, he does what needs to get done. But you know, sometimes he's not that great of a leader. And sometimes he's a great leader. And the leader that they're up against is somehow like a bad leader. I, I never understood what was going on. Coral, Coral. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's like this whole cycle of, wow, we finally found this utopia where we can all live and we'll all be safe. Oh wait, no, we do something stupid and it gets invaded. And then now we're in the uh, wilderness again. And then, (laughs) and then, you know, it's like this roundabout way, but did I ever talk about that? One of the last times I went to church, well, last time I went to a a bishopric meeting or what do you call them? A ward council? Was uh, yeah, ward council. What was the other one? Priesthood executive meeting or council? Yeah, so this was this was a ward council because we had the ladies in there with us. Um, Okay, so not a bunch of executives sitting around talking about the priesthood. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) we actually had some smart people in the room. Actually, (laughs) Um, my wife and I decided to play a Walking Dead drinking game, and we were you know fairly new to alcohol at this point. It was like in that one beginning stage where I was like drinking a Fireball, actually. Or no, you know what it was? What I was drinking was honey whiskey, like Tennessee oh, yeah. honey whiskey. Oh yeah. Um, and we were playing this Walking Dead drink, drinking game. We were just a little bit into it when uh, no, we were we were pretty good into it when uh, 
my elders corn president texts me and is like, Hey, by the way, uh, um, I can't make it tomorrow morning. Can you go on my behalf? You know, it's like that 7am meeting or whatever. And I was drunk enough. I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. I'll cover for you. I'll fucking be there, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of those things is whenever like Carl is annoying, you take a shot or whenever, oh, right. like there was a, a bunch of rules to it. Well, my uh, wife is drinking wine and I'm drinking this Tennessee honey whiskey, which oh, is just not a fair fight. <laughs> no, that is not fair. Um, anyway, a few hours later I was puking and then I still got up and went to that. I probably stunk so bad, man. It was so hot in that little, <laughs> that little room. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I didn't have the smell, especially for like in a room full of people who don't have any alcohol in their, you know, because you know how sometimes like when you have alcohol in your system, you don't smell it on others as much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I must have stunk so bad. (laughs) Well, and but here's the other thing that you can think of, like if anybody. So before I drank any alcohol, like I was 30, whatever, three, 32 before I ever had my first sip of alcohol. I would not have known what someone who stunk of alcohol smelled like, like I literally had no idea. So somebody could have been like, somebody could be sitting next to me that was hung over and stunk of booze. And I would not have known. I just been like, Oh, I've got a little BO going or just something. What about like some alcoholics on your mission or anything? Do you ever like, dude, I'm telling you, I didn't know what weed smelled like until I was in my early thirties. Like I didn't know what weed smelled like. I didn't know what booze smelled like. Like I definitely, I, I knew what beer smelled like because I'd been to like enough, you know, like sporting events to know what beer smelled like. Yeah, and people walk by that, you and the, at the jazz yeah. game and they're holding their beer thing. Yeah. When I finally learned what weed smelled like, because everyone, I, I always, especially in California, people were like, oh, it smells like weed. I'm like, I don't know what that smells like. When I was in Amsterdam and finally I'm like, oh, this is what weed smells like. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. And then and then as soon as you, it's it's one of those things where it clicks in. It's almost like the, um, God, what is that? like the Bader-Meinhof effect. Like once you hear something, you like suddenly hear it all the time, right? It's like, yeah. like you learn a new word and suddenly you're starting to see that word in like all the books you're reading. Same thing happened to me when I f- finally figured out what the smell of weed was. I was like, oh shit, I've smelled weed it, uh, everywhere in my life. <laughs> like <laughs> everything my, smelled like weed all the time. In my dad's bedroom. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no way, man. My dad used to accuse me of, that was the funniest thing. My dad used to accuse me of smelling like weed when I was in high school. And I would always just like, you know, deny it and be like, no, I haven't been smoking weed. But th- but I now would like lay in bed thinking, I like I like I don't even know what weed smells like. Like I I I've so, I'm so far away from even being near marijuana that <laughs> my dad's accusations fell flat because I was like, oh shit, do I have BO or something like that? Man, you know what? I'm I'm glad we're kind of talking about smells right here because this is just gonna lead in. Um we're we're gonna talk on this episode about our Syrian room mimosa weekends. We we did separate weekends where we did a yeah. substance called Syrian rum mimosa. It's supposedly what the ancient ancient Egyptians used in ceremony where you drink the Syrian rue and that's the inhibitor and then the mimosa is the DMT. You drink it about 30 minutes later. It was both of our times first time with that medicine and it was also our, our first time since any sort of DMT beverage <laughs> since two and a half years ago when we did ayahuasca together right before the podcast started. Yep. Um, but I'm wondering if it's the last time I ever do that thing indoors, man, because your, your senses are height, heightened, your sense of smell, especially, and you pack, you know, a dozen people into a, a, a room. 
with, you know, people puking and probably <laughs> farting and like when you have the heavy perfumes and the sage going or whatever they were doing to clear out the space, man, it was a whole cacophony of smells in that room. <laughs> Both nights. And I don't know if I'm the only one. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. But I, I, that one, I was telling you about that one time I was walking around I'm like, maybe it's just me because it, it would follow me wherever I went. So I'm like smelling myself. I'm like, no, I feel like I smell pretty good. But I don't know. Maybe I'm the one who's stinking up the room. <laughs> Dude, that's such a, it's funny, right? Like, the, like yeah. I mean, so for me, I didn't, I didn't notice it as, as much as, you know, because when you were telling about it, I was laughing. It's a, you tell it, it's a funny story the way you tell it. But like. <laughs> But like, I guess I, when I was doing it, I didn't notice it as much. I, I more noticed like the smell of like the, some of the burning things, you know, some, some of the things yeah. that were being burned in ceremony. But, um, it's funny that you mention thinking that it was you at first, because f- frankly, that that's my go-to. Like anytime I go anywhere and I smell something, my first instinct is like, man, do I, do I stink? Like, what, is it me? Like, and I start getting worried that everybody else can, and it's like, no dipshit. You're, you're literally at like a, like some kind of like fertilizer plant or something like that. You know what I mean? Like you're lit. Like that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an insecurity of mine is the smell. So I, I don't know. Well, you always smell so good though. Like you, you got like a, you got, I mean, one, I, I started following your like a regimen that you do of like, uh, of, <laughs> it's born out of insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the two types of soap, one like a lavender and a, I forgot. I, I think I got your right recipe. I, I tried it. I, I've yeah, been doing you, that. You definitely did. But it's, I haven't tried the ambrosia good. yet. The ambrosia is way good, man. Like I, you know, I put a little bit in the old, in the old beard just so that I can kind of smell it all day, you know? And then, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like I, I think that I smell very good. Like I, but I, but I also get worried about that. I, so I get so worried about smelling bad that I get also worried. Cause you know, I'm always looking for something to worry about. So I worry that I'm smelling bad and then I get worried that I overdo it on smelling Too good. good. And that's why I've, that's why I've tried to go with a little bit more natural stuff, you know, get well, my I own. Think, I'm getting better. I think you're like the natchy like uh, stuff you're using is working good, man. Because it's like it's not like this overpowering, you okay, know. Just, it, it's not a cologne type of thing, and I no, like a good yeah. cologne too. Sometimes, but like, actually, I lied. I actually have cologne. I never wear it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know the. It's funny about cologne because like I don't know the, like the like the measurements. Like I'm not sure. Like I don't know. Either. No, no one has ever taught me how to put cologne on. So it's just like yeah. you. Like I've seen guys that like, you know, that like they do the little spray into the air and they'll sort of like walk into it. You know, I've yeah. seen guys that like put it on their wrists, like pretty highly concentrated and then kind of rub it around that way. And I'm always like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do with cologne. So I've just fuck cologne. Fuck it. I think, I think you just pick your poison, man, whatever you want to do with it. It's like, it's your, it's your adventure to have. You know? I agree. But, um, I like, Dude, we've got some reason. We, I appreciate you saying that you're like filling my bucket in a big way because like, that's like one of my biggest insecurities is like, I hope people don't think I smell weird. Um, but we have like two open threads here. You, you didn't finish telling me about <laughs> the last of us because we oh, got into the walking did. dead weirdly yeah, we and then start telling about how. Okay. Yeah. To get back to the, to the last of us. I mean, the first episode feels reminiscent of the walking dead, but it's really good. Second episode as well. Uh, the third episode, which premiered on Sunday, um, I don't want to spoil it. It's just it takes it in a different direction that you're like, holy shit! Um, it has Nick Nick Offerman in that episode. Oh hell yeah! 
And um, the guy on uh, you've seen, have you seen White Lotus? He's like the hotel manager in the first season of White Lotus. Dude, that guy is amazing. I don't know his name or anything like that, but he is amazing in that first season of yeah. White Lotus. And they are so good in this episode, and it's oh, heartbreaking. Damn. It's lovely. It's like, um, it's like holy shit. This this show is taking this in a whole new, whole new direction, and I'm here for it. And plus, you know, I hear there's going to be maybe two seasons, and maybe they stop it at two. Don't you love that kind of stuff? Yeah, I love it when it's just like end on a high note. Like, don't keep things going, you know. I yeah, I I strongly agree with that. So, did you ever play like the video? It's based on a video game, right? Yeah, I never did. Uh, but, but supposedly they're they're following it pretty faithfully. Um, yeah. But um, I did never play it. No, but and the first episode actually, you kind of get the sense. Some of it feels like a video game cutscene. I don't even know how to to explain it, but like it's because it's like coming from a point of view character in a way, and then like I'm like, oh, this could uh, I can see how this is like a video game cutscene, but they film it in that way that uh, I don't know, man. Check it out. That's what I've been watching lately. Oh, and I've been watching catching up on Atlanta. I've, Atlanta, I haven't watched season Atlanta three is, and four. Oh, dude, you haven't watched the last season? No, and I'm, I'm midway season three. And I'm already I'm loving that one too. I can't believe I. I it's taking me this long to catch up on both of them. Atlanta is like an all timer for me. I, like Atlanta might be like, I don't know. I, I, I guess probably top five for me. Uh, let's yeah. fuck it, dude. What's your, what are your favorite shows? Let's talk. Let, <laughs> like, you know what? Let's try to give people an idea of what shows we like. What, like if you were to pick yeah. a top, it's always tough. Cause it's like, you have to mix it. You have to, you have to, you have to divide them into like comedy and, and, drama right mm-hmm. they do but um like i love uh you know my all-time favorite show until the ending was uh, game of thrones so now i can't put that in my thing because i can't rewatch it anymore i just don't yeah i just it's disappointing um you know breaking bad uh, breaking bad and mad men are up there for sure yeah. mad men is number one for me yeah, yeah. you've watched it a few times haven't you oh hell yeah dude i love that show yeah, I and i love it that. it's so funny like i love it I I I I I love hating all of the characters. Like, like the the main character, Don Draper, is like a bad dude. Like he's but but he's yeah. but he's fascinating and he's captivating and he's and the show is flawless because of how flawed he is. And so people are like, oh, I like that. I like that this amazing, handsome, like always has the right thing to say character is so fucking flawed. Like I. I love Mad Men. Sorry. Yeah, to I, don't know if a, I don't think he's a bad dude. He's just a complex dude. Um, uh, I remember I started watching Mad Men when I was still at Mormon. And so it's like I had that lens, especially in, you know, the, in this is the, the first episode where you find out he's cheating on his wife. And I'm just like, immediately didn't like him at that point. Yeah. What a dirtbag. Yeah. What a dirtbag. But like, um, uh, yeah. Anyway, I just love, this is such a good show. As far as the show I really love is Adventure Time, man. I know it's like a yeah, kid's Adventure cartoon. Adventure Time is yours. Uh, I love uh, that you love that show. And we got a little, we got some uh, Finn and Jake vibes going on for sure. <laughs> in fact, they've shown up in my dreams quite a bit. Finn and Jake, Jake the human and Finn, uh, Jake the dog, Wait, Finn, Jake Finn the, dog. the human yeah. and Jake the dog. Sorry, yeah. I, <laughs> my bad. Um, I, you can th- you can tell that I've only seen some episodes of Adventure Time. Yeah, that's fine. You're okay. Cool. I don't, I'm not going to judge you too much. I mean, yeah, I'm still um, cool. And then I, as far as just like, I mean, have you ever seen like Fleabag? 
Oh yeah, Fleabag's amazing. You know, I'm, I'm, I just have a hard time between like what's my favorite and what's I just like so many TV shows, but I'm just kind of throwing out some ones that I like. I really, yeah. I mean, you and I have been connected on Arrested Development since it came out. Like you and I were like actively watching it when when it was like live and they were begging people to watch the show and they were winning Emmys and it was like, no one's watching Arrested Development. And you and I would text or not even text because texting wasn't a thing. We would email about Arrested yeah. Development. Yeah, we would email about it, right? <laughs> we, I think we even, they had this campaign to save it once and you would like- Saveourbluth.org. Yeah. I, you, you oh, bought, yeah. Yeah, you bought those bananas. that They, they yeah. like shipped, you bought a banana and they, so they shipped out the executives at Fox like a whole bunch of bananas. <laughs> yep, we were that was part of that too. Yeah. All right, let's get busy. Well, let's get to business. Name, name a couple, and we'll get back to. Have I, 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 I missed any that you want to add in here? I mean, I I think that on the comedy side, for me, it's. I mean, Fleabag is way up there. Arrested Development is way up there. Curb Your Enthusiasm is probably my favorite television show of all time. I love yeah. Cur- I love Larry David. Do you know I haven't seen an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm? Isn't that weird? Like it is. The funniest show I've ever seen. And you haven't you know, seen one I, episode. I whispered that really small. No, don't be ashamed of that. Who cares? I, it's just funny because like, I don't know. I could go, to, I guess I could go into a whole thing here. You want me to go into a whole thing? I think you go into a whole thing. We got, you know, it, if people wanted to skip to the ayahuasca part, they can skip it. But yeah, skip ahead. We're talking about yeah. Larry David for a second here. <laughs> so I can, I consider Larry David to be one of, um, Earth's funniest people of, of all time. Like, if you think about, like, the dude is, I mean, if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm and then go back and watch Seinfeld, you realize, oh, shit. All of Seinfeld is just Larry David. Yeah, it really is. All, yeah. <laughs> all of that television show is just Larry David. And it's funny for me because, like, I was in, like, I was, like, a teenager when Seinfeld was, was going on, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've, I was about to say like, same, but of course, because we were the same age. <laughs> yeah, of course. Same, same, man. Same. Dude, isn't that wild? Same, wow. right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because when I was a when I was a teenager, when Seinfeld was making its first run, like I always sort of identified with Kramer, you know? Like, mm. oh dude, he's he's funny and he's kooky and falls ass backwards into money and always dating, you know, he's having sex with no commitment. Like that's I'm Kramer. Like I want to be the kooky next door neighbor, funny guy. And then when I got back from my mission, I watched through it again. And it was like, I identified with Jerry, you know, Jerry's like this hip, successful, real, like witty guy. Who's like, like got great game with the ladies and always has a, a quick one liner kind of, you know, kind of the top of the food chain among his friends and all that kind of thing. And I was like, Oh yeah, I want to be Jerry. And, and, and now that I'm in my forties and I, I'll catch Seinfeld every once in a while, or like I'll put it on Netflix or something. I'm, I'm George Costanza. Jo- George Costanza is the, is the character that I identify with most. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like getting, getting caught in your own neuroses and like having like a, like having a minor lie that you don't even know why you told that lie suddenly like, <laughs> like blow up on your face and like, like, <laughs> Like always having like some kind of weird thing. Like I feel like I'm George Costanza now. Like I think he's the I think he's the realist character on that show. <laughs> like me just uh, lying about wearing cologne when I'm like I don't remember the last time I wore cologne. Actually, <laughs> like, right? Like dude, I'll say lies. Like do you ever 
Do you ever have that experience where for no reason, you're like talking to somebody and for no reason whatsoever, it's not to like protect yourself. It's not to like protect a friend. It's not to like get out of trouble. It's not to get out of a jam. Like you just fucking lie for no reason. And as you're doing it, you're like, oh shit, what am I doing? Now I have to like be this. Like now I have to do this little thing. <laughs> it's like, you're why? Like trying, why did I do that? Like as the words are coming out of your mouth, you're like, oh shit, no, no, no. Because it, it would be, it would be terrible to just say to like right there and then just be like, uh, just so you guys know, that was a lie. What I just said was a lie and I don't know why I did it. Like, but there's no reason other than to like, fuck, I guess boredom. I don't know why sometimes I lie. Um, I think it's embedded in us, man. I think that Mormonism teaches you to lie from a young age. And, um, I know, I know, I think in the very first episode we recorded on this podcast, the moon gazing one, I think you brought that up that like Mormonism made you a liar. Like, totally, um, man. Totally. And so I think sometimes it's just, uh, I don't know, but I'm, I'm with you on that. And sometimes I'll say it and then immediately regret it and be like, well, okay, now I, I either have to live this way forever around these people or I have to yeah. come clean <laughs> or they'll just forget about it. And hopefully the topic never comes up again. <laughs> Dude, like I've got a, I've got a real mixed up relationship with alcohol, but one of the things I do love about booze is that I'm way more honest and even in those weird times when I do like a, like a, a habitual, like little lie, I do stop myself in the middle of it and be like, I don't know why I'm saying that. It's a total lie. Like I, I will say that like, thank you booze for that gift. But like, yeah. dude, I remember like, I, it's not nearly what it used to be, but I remember when I was single, like I went on, I, I, I was on a date with this girl and then we started talking about like, where are we from? And like our childhood and stuff like that. And I started telling her that I was from Ireland, (laughs) literally told her I was from Ireland and that, and that every once in a while, uh, my accent would come back. Like if I like didn't focus on it, (laughs) literally later in the night started trying to talk in an Irish, I can't do an Irish accent just to clarify. Like my only, (laughs) like my only, (laughs) like my only exposure to an Irish accent at that point was like. Lucky the Charms one, commercials. Yeah, the guy from, yeah, the, the Lucky Charms commercial and the one guy from Braveheart that's from Ireland, you know, oh, like his yeah. friend that comes over. And so like, I'm not Rich kidding, Mike. That's what he says. That girl must have thought, by the way, she went on way more dates with me and that never, the, the Irish thing never came up again. So maybe it was fine, but it was, I still think about that stupid lie. And I, I and I cringe thinking about that first night, me like, trying to break into an accidental Irish accent. And it was like, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm embarrassed just talking about it right now. Dude, I don't think you should cringe at that story. I love that story, man. <laughs> but you know what feels refreshing and I love it is you were talking about that fucking honesty when you're just like, oh yeah. Especially when you're like, you know what? I hate this or I hate something or like things you don't want to admit. Um, or maybe we were raised, especially raised to be like, nice guys or like good Mormon boys to just be like, Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this person or I don't like this thing. And just being fucking real about it. It's liberating. I, I could not agree more, man. I like, like, like something about that, like, like vulnerability is a real thing. So something about that break from the church and and then also sort of like, you know, within my marriage, like that, you know, it, it causing some real honesty and some real, Mm -hmm. you know, like I I wouldn't say trouble, but like, yeah, like marital difficulty. 
Like there's something very liberating about vulnerability, about the, about having the option of saying like, oh, I don't like a thing about Mm -hmm. myself. Oh, I'm, it's happening right now. And it's a habit. It's something that I got used to because I felt like I always had to hide some parts of me. But at least now I can sometimes like slowly bring a little bit more of that out. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I'm, and I'm glad we're talking about this part because I think this ties into the integration of my, the ceremony we did. Totally. I think we were chatting about this too on text a little while ago where, you know, we left one modality for like Mormonism, which teaches you love one another all the time and uh, contentions of the devil and we're all God's children. And, you know, and then we went through our, you know, drinking, uh, drinking and partying kind of atheist woohoo kind of face. Like drinking games with fireball. Like, yeah, right. Exactly. And like getting and, fucked up. Yeah. Pure, yeah. Like, oh, why did I, why did I really drink all these shots? Because Carl was annoying, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> to then being in the, you know, this hippy dippy love world, which I love this hippy dippy love world, but there's also, it's sometimes it's just too much love and light for me and a repression of emotion or a, a pretending to be groovy with things mm. to be okay, to be like, no, I don't feel okay about that. And you, I, you know, we're talking about like it, when you're talking to your wife or something, I've noticed more now, you know how we had that episode where we talked about like leaning into the, uh, or tuning into the soft animal of your body. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, especially like in difficult conversations with my wife or like a, around people, like I'll say something and there's a part of me that's like, no, I want to speak to. And, and yeah, may, there might be a part of me that really wants to be love and light and find the love and good in everyone. And, but there's also part of me that's like, yeah, but you know what? A lot of times you don't like that person mm. or some of this world do you think is kind of a little crazy, you know? Dude, I, th- this is an interesting direction to take this conversation. Um, unplanned kind of actually, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy that we're talking about this because Same. You know, the thing that we rail on, and and frankly, we rail on ourselves most, but we also basically kind of blame the church. The thing that we rail on is that sort of like whatever the whatever the word is that 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 eternal optimism or that that toxic positivity that mm-hmm. like you always have to be happy and you know, you know you're you're on stage and you have to like be uh, proof that the gospel is true. Like, that's what I, that's the pressure that I felt when I was a Mormon. But dude, like the, I feel the exact same pressure in the hippie, woo woo, esoteric world. The whole thing about like, love is everything. All you need is love. It's all Brett boils down to love because there are times when I'm like, no, dude, I fucking don't like, I don't, not only do I not love that person, that person's a dick. Like I don't like them or, or this situation makes me feel uncomfortable or, or uh, this, you know, this person is totally full of shit. Why am I listening to them? I'm full of shit. Why am I talking? Why do I have an opinion? And it's like, like, I don't want to fall into the same. And I find myself falling into the same patterns and self-loathing yes. cycle that we were in, that, that we've escaped from the Mormon church. That, yeah, that frankly, just- atheism gave me an out of being like, fuck everything. I'm not always happy and I don't have to be, and I'm just worm food when I die. And I don't give a shit about your, your God or your hippie fucking 
source or creation or mother earth. I didn't give a shit about anything. Dude, I'm just so glad. It's so refreshing right now because there, I mean, sometimes I get sick of this and I get it. Like we're all one and we, there's all a projection and, uh, you know, I hate someone, but they're just a projection of me. So why do I hate that one? Let's go and do an inner child meditation and find out, oh, one day when I was 13, someone said that to me and now I hate this part of me. And now, you know, fuck that sometimes. It's like, we also, the wolves are a projection of us too, but it doesn't mean we have to invite them in our fucking backyard, you Dude, know? Like, well said, man. Like they are, they're a projection of wow. our wild, instinctual, aggressive nature. And that's in us. And we have to recognize that and channeling love to a wolf isn't going to make him want, not want to bite your hand off, you know, or eat your face or whatever. Gosh, man. And so I, you know, maybe, I don't know that leaving this ceremony, this is one of the first times I've left a ceremony being like, fuck medicine for a minute, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I mean, it was, I'm sure it was beautiful. Um, maybe this is the lesson I needed to learn through all of it. And, you know, I went into it going through a very dark time, big time. Maybe time. I know we put the disclaimer at the front, but let me just put a disclaimer on this one that as we talk about our trip experiences, I will be talking about uh, suicide. Mm. And, um, and so when we get to my part, if you don't, you know, skip it. Um, if you feel like you need to. I mean, we could just go straight here. Well, look, I want to add one last thing to this because I, I, I think that this, I, I like this conversation we're having mm-hmm. right now. Um, Same. Because I do believe in, like, I like I like to get down with the whole, you know, you said it, we're all groovy and, and love is everywhere and all, and, and like this, the holding sacred space for people and allowing for people to, and allowing for myself to open up and be vulnerable and to, and to really see those, those mirrors, like see people as those mirrors. But also there's a, there's a dirty underbelly of that. Um mm-hmm. And, 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 and it, it's me, like definitely the dirty underbelly is me and it's me trying to, it's, 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 it's boys, it's good boys behaving badly. You know, there's, there's something about me trying to be a good boy, even in this space where I'm trying to be a good boy for, um, like the women and mm-hmm. for like the mommy figures and mommy earth and for like, for of trying to be a good boy. And it's a little patronizing, like even like it's, I'm, I'm starting, I don't understand it, but I'm starting to like appreciate, you know, sometimes you'll see like, I'll, I'll be on Reddit or I'll watch some TV show and someone's talking about like being a bad bitch. Like, oh, I'm a bad bitch. Like I, I, I can tap into my dark side and I'm always like, okay, girl, like just chill, like just, but you know what? The judgment that I'm making is a part of me. That's not allowing for that, mm. for that bad bitch inside of me. Yeah. to be heard. You know, we, we talk up and down about shadow work and we talk up and down about like being like tapping into our, like our deep projections and tapping into our mirrors. But like, I still have this, this shit that I like try to shield myself or, or maybe shield the world or both. Like I box it up and stuff it in a bag and keep it safe from anyone seeing, including me, including you, Mike, I don't want, I don't even want Mike to see the, the, the real dirty, skanky parts of me, you know? Yeah. And then and I it's think like, we, that's just more Mormonism. That's just, it, that, yeah. it's just the same bullshit in a different package. 
And then it just turns into, I like how you said it turns into self-loathing when you're, when you're not being honest with that part, then, then it's like you're loathing that part. And then, so you feel instead of it's you trying to pretend you feel a different way than you do instead of just acknowledging how you, how you feel. Now you don't have to literalize those feelings. And I think we're going to get in that when I get into my story too, about like, you don't have to literal, like, you know, it's, I think it's, there's a difference between hating someone and feeling hate towards someone. Mm. Um, big time, big time. Where it's like, you can literalize that and say, I hate that person or I, I hate, I'm feeling hate right now. And I think that's a distinction to make, but you know, I, I, I think when, you know, it's that when aggression isn't allowed to be sent out, it goes in. And I think I'm sick of like being aggressive to myself. And I don't know. I'm, I'm sick of like, I pretty fucking pretending, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, this, this is a thing that you and I actually have talked about to each other. <clears throat> Excuse me. Before where, you know, there, there are, I mean, in, in the course of, you know, whatever it's been that we've been doing this podcast, we've had very few, but we, we've had the occasional sort of like rift between us and somebody else, just another entity, a, a former yeah. guest or just whatever. And it's always blown up in our face that we, you and I have this sort of same thing where we are trying to be diplomatic all the time or trying mm -hmm. to fake that, like always love and always shiny bright and always love and light. And the, we still, it still gets met with the very thing that we were afraid of it being met with. Mm -hmm. we, it still gets met with the very thing that we were afraid of just our direct honesty would be met with. And so it's like, yeah, what's yeah. the fucking point of trying to be all kid glove and soft and fo and phony lovey dovey and diplomatic. It's, it's, it's horseshit, dude. We like, I'm not trying to call you and I out about it, but we do it, man. We, so, yeah. we and, it, and it has bit us in the ass a, a few times. Yeah. And it's the same re result. If we just been really upfront and honest yep. and, um, yep. Yeah, I, I think. And so instead you go through that thing of like repressing that part or like not speaking your truth and you still get, you know, dragged through the mud regardless. Yeah, yeah. dude. I'm tired of learning lessons sometimes. It's like, fuck these lessons <laughs> I, know, I keep right? learning, but I keep having to learn them, you know? It's like, oh, God damn it. God damn it. Um, but you know so, what? I'm glad we started out this way because you know how we're talking about feeling a little nervous before I came on? I think that part wanted to be heard. And I didn't want to get in this thing where it's like, I had this experience and, you know, it was hard, but in the end, it's like, oh, I learned my lessons and I'm integrating. And, um, you know, it's like, <laughs> there's a part of me, it's like, you no, know, you know, that's not fucking true. So don't pretend it is. And so well, let's get real, man. <laughs> let's get real. I mean, and, and the funny thing is, Mike, I, I swear to God, I, I know this, that we're also going to swing back to, oh shit, no dude, it's all love and light and beauty. And we, we just will. like, we're going to learn what, and we're all going to like, I guarantee we're going to do that, dude, because we have to go through these cycles. It's fucking pride cycle, the Nephites, dude, we got it. Or the Lamanites or whoever it was. We, we got to do that shit, man. We have to. Well, and I, I do believe at the center of all of this mess that we're in is love. Totally. But if you, but if you jump to that center and you bypass 
everything in between, you're really not getting to that center. And so yeah, you're doing yourself a disservice, I think. Yeah. You want to, it's like, it's like jumping to the last chapter of the book. You know, it's like, I think that at the end of all this, we'll flip to the end of the book, whether it's in this life or the next life or the next or whatever, we'll get to an end of the book and be like, oh, oh yeah, it was all love, you know? But I think a lot of times we just want to just jump there right now. Mike, that's such a, that's such a great point because it's the whole thing of like, uh, you know, formulaic, like 80s sitcom type of thing, right? It's like you could certainly just watch the last three minutes when the situation resolves itself and everybody like learns their lesson and, and, and go, and you could go away from it. Like you could come away from tonight on a very special silver spoons. Like you, you could, you, you could watch the last three minutes and be like, Oh, the lesson was be a little bit softer, be forgiving and love one another. But you got to watch that whole 30 minute episode of silver spoons and figure out what was going on with Ricky Schrader. Like you had to figure out what's going on. And well, you have to, to not lesson. I think you, you have, have to, to feel his feelings. Yeah. You have to experience it. Right. Yeah. It, the yeah. message isn't going to land. Like if you watch, if there, there's probably a YouTube compilation of like all of the last two minutes of full house. <laughs> yeah, dude, tonight on a very special growing pain. It was always a very special one. You know what I mean? And you're like learning lessons. It's like, Oh, fucking Mike Seaver, whatever. But if you, uh, but it's that thing of like, if someone tells you something, it's just a different way of knowing when you experience something and then come through the tunnel on the other side, that it's just a different, it's a depth that you don't go through if you haven't experienced it. Yeah. And I think that we're just doing a little bit of self-acknowledgement right now of like, oh, you know what? We probably do know the message. Like we probably do know the ending as it were. The ending is going to be like, Oh, it really is just about love and none of this shit really matters. Like that's what we're going to learn, right? We're going to, we're going to get there. But right now you and I, like our periods are synced up or something like that. We're both in that mode of just like, yeah, but fuck that too. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to start with yours? Yeah. I, I think probably we start with mine cause mine's a little, like yours has a little more depth to it, you know? So mine, mine got dark because of this. Yeah. But I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't know if we have to rate them in depth. No, 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 no I'm just, <laughs> I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to rate them. What I was trying to do was try to build suspense for the oh, one okay, where we okay, really okay. can dive into some of the, cause mine's going to be like, oh, it's all love and light. Like that's literally what mine was. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I know, right? So, um, yeah, so, the, so mine, both of us, it was a two night thing. Mine, I got there and. And, you know, you kind of, you kind of spend some time with like preparation, uh, obviously helping cl- clean up the space, but also cleaning up your own space as far as like getting inside meditative, uh, cleansing, like a meditative house cleaning type of thing. You get in there and kind of intention set and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we get into it and the, 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 the people who hold, held the space and, and served as the, the shamanic influence, like really do a good job of, of setting that space and making it a very safe environment and calling in the right spirits, mm-hmm. you know, setting the right mood, the right tone. Oh, by the way, there's no one I'd rather be doing that with than oh, the way they I, set the space and held the here. container and yeah, beautiful. Yeah. They, 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 they do their, they do their, they do their homework. So mine, that first night was, you know, it was, it was hard for me. Like I, I really went through it. I, it's, it's again with those machine elves, like it, it's, yeah. they are, 
they are really digging into me. Like they're really going hard and making me come to like, like so earlier. If this is, a, oh. I'm just saying, if, if this is the first time anyone is listening or has heard of machine elves, can you try to describe them a little bit? Yeah, I can try. Uh, yeah. So the first time I uh, experienced interactions with these other entities was the first time that I did ayahuasca. And what was interesting for me is that they were just these little cartoon elf, endless clockwork, endless spinning, moving with a face, sort of like little people, like little elves that were communicating with me um, telepathically. And I, at first I was worried that they were malevolent. Mm-hmm. And I've had multiple experiences with them since, and they've always seemed that way a little bit like, oh, do they mean me harm? But it's always ended up like, oh, no, they didn't mean me harm. They they meant to help and, and help facilitate some real things that I was going through. But they're always like constantly moving and in motion. And, and the thing that was crazy for me the first time I interacted with them is that I was describing them to to someone afterwards. And that person said, oh, machine elves. And so I was like, oh, I've never... I never heard that term before, but that's exactly a great description of what they are. And so then I like went into this deep dive and it's a fucking trip. How, how many people have experienced these little entities, angels, spirits, elves, whatever they are. And their description is like hauntingly similar to what I experienced. And it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to make heads or tails of that shit. Like whether it's like, brain i don't really know and i'm, and I'm not going to try to figure it out tonight on the on the podcast like you know it, what and it could be either or it could be something that like triggers something similar in people's totally, brains totally that what it does feel like in those places is that you are in a different dimension or a different dimension is opening up or i mean that's what it that's the felt sense of it for me when, totally. when you read one hundred percent that I've entered into a new realm, or that I'm part of a different realm than I kind of previously thought I was part of. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I've had multiple experiences with them in the past. Um, sometimes to hilarious end, sometimes to real dark, like self-reflective type of dealing with shit. Like you know, I've been with you when I'm trying to talk to them and describe them to you in the moment, and okay. it's just like it sounds like a lunatic on the street trying to like you know, get money from you. But, uh, so that, yeah, the first night they're interacting with me again and, um, like an Angela Lansbury cat. <laughs> yeah, dude. Purple robe. Like I remember that one too, like coming up from like a, like one of those flat, remember, remember those like flat, like rug things that had like the whole like city of like roads and stuff on them. And you, when you were a kid, there was like a, it was like a rug. Oh yeah, the road. Yeah, it's similar to that, but it's like three dimensional, and they're coming (laughs) up, and they're like making little flips and like doing little tricks and stuff like that. It's fucking weird, man. I know that I sound like a schizophrenic person talking right now, but that's just what. I mean, what do I I don't know what to tell you? I mean, drugs. That's what they. I mean, they make you schizophrenic for a while. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're doing drugs. So, like that first night, they were taught. I mean, they were really focusing in with me on the my inner critics, like a lot of times they've been in my heart. Like they've been like drilling down and ever that, that ever sort of like digging, digging machine work, that clockwork that just digs into my heart or my soul and pulls something out. And usually when they're pulling something out, that's when I purge. Right. Yeah. Um, same thing that first night they're digging into my headspace 
Mm. And just really focusing on that, that inner critic that I have, like, what is up with this inner critic? Like, let's, 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 let's examine it a little bit. Let's clear it a little bit. Let's mm. clear that space. And sure enough, I'm purging. I, I would like to add that, like, that first night, I was so proud of myself because I was like, oh, dude, usually when I purge, I'm really loud. I'm growling like a, like a tiger and like farting and you know, like it just, my whole body is ex- an explosion of noise. But that first night, even though I was still doing a little bit of growling, no farts. And it was a pretty, it was a pretty polite, it was a pretty polite and delicate purge, like, like into my bucket. <laughs> oh, really? That's so different from our violent purge two and a half oh, years ago. Oh, totally different, dude. And I was so proud of myself. Went and cleared my bucket myself, like feeling good. The next night, and you know, I felt really good. And that night, like I, I joined in with like music and, and I think I touched everyone's heart with my music and it was just like a whole fun, cool night. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, before you yada, 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 yada over that part, I want to tell, talk about the song you played. Well, okay. So yeah. this will give me a chance to give a shout out to, um, Seth, our editor. Yeah. So, uh, a, a year ago when we were in San Francisco, we, we were doing mushrooms and at, towards the end of the night, Seth was like, Hey, uh, can we put on the song shelter from the storm by Bob Dylan? And he's like, I listen to this a t- every time at the end of my thing. And I didn't know the song. Like, I feel like I know every Bob Dylan song, but I didn't know that song very well. And it really touched me. And so I was like, oh shit, I'm going to learn that song. And then not only did I learn the song, but I have my own version of it. And I re kind of arranged the words because the song does a little bit sound like gobbledygook, but the way I've kind of arranged it and the way I sing it, it kind of sounds like it tells a story of like human existence mm-hmm. and and sort of like finding comfort and finding shelter from the storm and in this like sort of all ever present mother figure or or woman figure, you know. Anyway, so I I I, w- I wasn't planning on like it's not like I planned it, oh I'll play shelter from the storm, but like that at the end of that night I was like oh shit dude. This is like perfect. That's a perfect song. I was feeling like, oh, this is a perfect song yeah. to play right now. To the point where like uh one of the people that was there was like, dude, did is that did you make is that your song? That's the grace. Like they were really, really complimentary. And I was like, oh no, that's definitely not my song. In fact, it's Bob Dylan's song, like the greatest American songwriter of all time. And I mean, people were very complimentary. They were like, dude, that is your song, actually. Cause I've heard the Bob Dylan version and it's like, so I was feeling pretty good. Like so that first night I'm feeling pretty good. Good song, good purge, good vibes, getting rid of my yeah. inner critic. Well, right? just to add to that, I think there's a reflection of that when you make a song your own too. Like you, it's his song, but you channeling it through you. Totally. Oh, totally. It brings that out that like, yeah. And man, uh, I've been in that trip space with you where you're channeling something. I'm like, holy shit, this is like, some Doug energy right now. Dude, I and, love that you call it the Doug yeah. energy. Cause like, I, yeah, same. I feel that too. Yeah. Like I feel, I feel, remember like in our first couple of episodes, we talked about like first couple of episodes, we talked about tripping and I was like, I'm always getting low, trying to make myself mm-hmm. small, trying to like disappear. Like that's a real thing. And like, I guess to show actual growth, like now when we're tripping and stuff like that, those moments, I feel like I have. I feel like I have the ability to lovingly fill the space, mm. like to like to fill the place up. And and you know, we've talked about like our different animals, and like you know, you're you're a panther and a tiger, and I got that little you know kind of grizzly bear stuff. 
Like I feel like I feel like when I'm tripping, I am Baloo the Bear from Jungle Book. Like I'm <laughs> big and dopey and fun loving and have a little song on my breath, you know? Like a little I got a little yeah. sh- a little shimmy in my hips, like I'm ready to party. Like I'm Baloo <laughs> the Bear. You're a little more country than Baloo, but I can feel I am that. a little yeah. more bl- yeah, I am a little more country than that. God damn it, dude. You had to throw that out on me like when you know I just wrote that song about how Everything I write sounds too country. I did. I had to, I had to do it. <laughs> so, all right. I'm I'm going to get through telling mine. Cause, so the next night, I go into it thinking, oh, shit, man. Did the hard stuff. Got the hard stuff behind me. Learned my lessons. Like, did some good shit. Tonight is going to be like, whoa, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do double reverse gainer backflips through space, brother. Like, that's what I was going to yeah. do that second night. No. First of all, before we even like we're we're back into ceremony space, and before we even we had we had taken the uh, the Syrian rue, and not we was we were is in between the Syrian rue and the mimosa. So we'd taken the inhibitor. Still, you still have. I mean, it's it's only been like what sixteen hours, so you still have some of the DMT still in you, dude. As soon as I took that, I started tripping big time. Oh, like, really? Just like as soon as you did. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And like, we've talked about this, but like, I, I usually rely on you for this role, Mike, but I started bawling, bawling yeah. mid, mid calling in like the directions and stuff like that. Like I, like interruptively, like I was disruptively bawling. Like I had to stand up and walk away. Cause I was like, I was sobbing and it was like some shit I coming through you. me. I feel yeah, you. you know, I mean, you yeah. know, like, you know, like there was <laughs> Wait, some shit. Yeah, what did you say about it? So, uh, I cut you off. Yeah, I just said there was some shit coming through. Hmm. Yeah, you know. And so, like, then we get back, and then we then we do the. I went for the same dose as I had done the night before, thinking, mm-hmm. okay, it's party time, party time, excellent. You know, mm-hmm. game on, game on. Mm-hmm. And so then, like, I start kind of like really feeling it, and there's like. There's a flute going and there's a, there's a, there's a guy playing a drum going and I'm like getting into it and I am dancing. Like I am tapping into some ancient stuff, dude. Like I'm, I'm tapping into some, like some druids or some natives or some aboriginal, whatever. I am tapping into that and feeling it, you know, and like, I'm like big, I'm like a big old thunderbird just going, you know, going crazy with it. And, uh, and then sure enough, I'm like, okay, dude, I got to take a I got to take a break. Like I got to sit, I got to sit down. I'm dancing too much. So I sit down, start kind of really tripping. And then the purging starts and my good God, it was, I, I felt like everyone was just sending their shit to me and I was barfing it all out. Just like, okay. And a big roaring barfs. And every time I thought I was done, the next one would come, the next wave would come and just more, more. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? It's been, Three hours and I'm still just going nuts. Four hours, I'm still barfing. Well, when you say when people are, you feel like people are sending that shit and you're purging it out. We've talked about in those spaces, it becomes a team deal, you know, totally, where like dude, totally people take on different roles and different archetypes and um, different things. And so it wouldn't surprise me if there was a collective purge that you were doing as well. Yeah, I was, and and I felt that, like I was feeling like I was getting rid of shit, not just my shit, mm-hmm. other people's shit. And, you know, yeah. I guess I should probably stay here that like, I've talked a couple of times about me getting off nicotine 
So maybe I'll be more specific. Like uh, it's, it's those little nicotine pouches. They're called Zin. Um, I, I just would put one. I, I, there's never a time that I did not have one in my uh, bottom lip. And to the point of like, like, like to the equivalent of smoking like four packs of cigarettes a day, that's the amount of nicotine I was consuming. And so part of that purge, part of that whole process was like, I was like, dude, I, I felt like I could get off this. Oh, I'm just doing it for fun because it makes me feel smooth and it makes me feel good. Like it kind of smooths out my day. But I was like, no, it's poison, dude. It's time to get rid of it. It's time to get off of it. And I've, you know, I've been like, again, I, I've said this before, I'm tearing my skin out piece by piece every day since. But it was really clear to me at the time. I was like, dude, no, this is, it's time's up on this shit, dude. Let's get out. Yeah. Let's get rid of it. Let's get it out of here. I got time's up. Yeah, time's up. So I got rid of it and I feel like I'm still going strong and just got to take it one day at a time, brother. But yeah, I'm, I'm still doing it. Anyway, um, God damn, dude, there's so much to tell. And there's like, also, I can't tell other people's stories. Do you know what I mean? I know. Like, that's what I'm wondering too. How much it's of a, other it's people's It's a real tough tell. thing because I'm not, I don't believe in telling other people's stories for them. But like, mm -hmm. good shit was going on that night. Like, good music, good sharing, good, uh, like good release, like real good shit was going on that night. And, mm -hmm. and everyone was feeling and everybody was feeling like real connected and, and that's, that's pretty true about any time you do some kind of ceremonial like trip experience with people. But like everyone was just really connected in that magical moment. And, 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 you know, for me, I came away with it with, I consider it to be three things. Like I can, I came away with, um, the nicotine thing. I came away with being more uh, willing to self-acknowledge and, and be aware of my inner critic and maybe almost like honor my inner critic instead of loathe it and hate it and also like come a little bit more to terms with it and be okay with it. That's been really cool for me actually in the last two months. Hmm. And then the third thing was, um, some voice stuff, like some, some, I, it, we, we've talked endlessly in here about how I am very self-conscious about my musical abilities, like very self-conscious. I still have, I still think I got shit to say. I still think that, um, I think in my heart of heart, I'm a poet. I think that I've got some cool shit mm -hmm. to say. And I think I'm, I think people can feel my heart. Like, I feel like, I've, I feel like I'm real sincere when it comes to sharing music, even though I don't have the ways to go up and down with my voice and do all the cool shit. But I, I, I cleared some of that up that night, actually, or that weekend. I, I cleared it up mm -hmm. where I was like, oh, there's a place for what I do. Like my shit's cool. Like I'm cool, man. Like, like everyone, there's nothing cringy or embarrassing about people sharing their art and sharing their heart. And that's what I've, yeah, yeah. that's what I've learned to love about myself is that I've got a lot of heart and a lot of art to share, man. So I'm happy to do it. Well, uh, Doug, um, a couple of things just are really hitting me hard with what you're saying. And it ties into the tangent we went on at the beginning of this episode. One is you're talking about the inner critic hmm. and when we're not allowing that critic to judge the world outside, at least feel its judgment outside, it's always going to go inward, you know? So, so goddamn right. Not that you need to walk around being an asshole, but if you're like, if you feel a certain way towards a certain person at a certain time, you can't repress that feeling. Yeah. Like if someone says something and you're like, that person's full of shit, you can't immediately go, oh yeah, but they're just trying this, this, and you've got to feel that thing of like, 
no, damn, they're full of shit in this moment. Or at least I mm. feel like they're full of shit or like I hate my that experience yeah. is that they're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. My experience is I'm feeling hatred towards that person right now. And you can frame it that way, but allow yourself to feel that. And it's all, the whole thing about what we express or like don't repress actually doesn't have power over us. It's when we're trying to repress it that then it comes out in these weird passive aggressive ways or even aggressive, like exploding, you know? Um, so we have this fear of like, oh, if I feel this hatred towards someone, it means I'm like, I hate them and I'm going to, I'm like, uh, I'm awful person. No, you're, you're fucking human. You're fucking apes. Apes fine, man. <laughs> apes apes fine. fine, dude. <laughs> it's if I feel anything but love for this person, I'm a bad uh, mushroom drug do- user. Yeah. And it's the same as like God's judging me and I'm going to go to the celestial kingdom. Like it's the same feeling, same fucking feeling. It's the same shit, right? (laughs) No different. There's not a different feeling. It's just guilt, shame, all the things of like, oh, I should love this person. Oh, God damn it. Why why am I not loving this person? Like try harder to love them and be better at loving them. And it's just like, okay, now we're back into the, it's like you just said, I'm focusing, I'm pointing that spotlight inward again and just being like, let's pick apart all the things that suck about Doug, right? And it's like, no, dude. There's always going to be things that suck about Doug, and that's I just got to live with that. But I also don't have to spend all of my time in that pool. Like I don't have to spend all of my time writing that story. I can Ooh. be like, there's also there's also things that are awesome about Doug and things that suck about other people, and I don't have to like make everyone else's suckiness my fault. Yeah, some, and sometimes that judgment is spot on. They're like, yeah, they, I'm sure deep down they're a lovely person and they're acting out of a trauma space or whatever, but the way they're acting right there is like either unacceptable or just like your your judgment might be pretty spot on. And yeah. so honor that, you know? I couldn't agree more. And this all ties into your voice and using a voice and speaking like your truth. And we talk about that, the lying stuff. Mm. When, when we're used to speaking from an authentic, inauthentic place. We were just chatting about this this week. You can tell when someone is singing from like an authentic spot totally, or a forest or a polished spot, or even like really good singers, you know, you were talking about like, uh, like uh, Bob Dylan before, like, uh, yeah. you know, some, some of these people don't have like the best voices as far as like polished, but when they're singing from like a authentic spot, you fucking love their voice and their music because they're singing from them. When Mormonism, we were learning to lie for the Lord or lie to get out of like <laughs> the, uh, the masturbation punishment or whatever with the bishop or, or even lie in a sense that I know this church is true or living someone else's truth for so much of your life. We have all this restriction around our, our voice and it comes out in the way we express or like, when we do want to like, I wish I was a good singer. So I'm going to try to imitate this singer. But one of the things Dude, that like dead on medicine does, and you were talking about is all of a sudden you're singing from this authentic place within you. And it just sounds pure. It sounds, it has the essence of Dougness or Mikeness. It's yeah. you, no one else can replicate. No one else in the world can replicate it. Gosh, man, you are preaching right now to my soul because like that's, it, it's so funny, um, and, and and I think we should move into your thing here pretty quick. But 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 to that to that last point, and the concept of voice and the concept of like it's cool. Like good singers are way cool. Like they sound awesome. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like it's awesome. Like I love my ears hearing them, but there's something deeper about connecting with someone heart to heart. There's yeah. something better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like one of the people that was there that night that, or the two nights that I did my thing, um, they were talking to me about one of the things about my voice that I hate the most. Like there's like a, there's like a soft and a, and a, and a growly, like a deeper sort of thing that I, I wish I could sing the higher parts. Do you know what I mean? And I don't, I almost have like a country. I almost have like a country sound to my voice. I do have a country sound to my voice, but like, um, she was, she was like, that's the part that I want more of. Like she was talking about the part I hate most. She was like, that's the part I want more of. That's the part that makes me connect with you. That's the part I love and feel. And some, and, and for once in my whole life, I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to this person and not perform instant self-judgment and not, hmm. and not try to like actively edit and censor myself and try to sound like someone I've heard before or sound like a different person than who I am when I speak or when I sing or when I play the guitar, whatever it might be. It, it, it was really like, I, I, I don't know, man, it's been two months and I still feel that same exact thing um, yeah. of, of a joy, like a joy in, like I went and did an open mic night last weekend and I fucking, I fucking bombed, dude. It was the worst ever probably. Oh, was it? Oh, that one was Big time. Yeah. But I didn't get the weird flop sweat. I didn't feel yeah. like negative on myself. I wasn't like embarrassed and beating myself up. I was laughing. I was, because I was still sharing, I was still sharing good shit. Like I was sharing one of your songs or sharing two of my songs. And people, I connected with people. Like I, I definitely connected with people and that's all, I mean, that's all that I'm there for. It doesn't matter. I'm not, I'm not going on the voice. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. winning American Idol. No. And, and that's, uh, you're speaking to me with that because that's something I've learned in the last little bit with my voice of like, I'm not care really about how it sounds, but where it's coming from. And just like, and usually it's like, singing the emotion that's present. And sometimes that emotion is like happy and joyful. Sometimes it's mournful. Sometimes it's angry. And even in the same song, so you can sing the same song, but be feeling different when you're singing it, but allowing just whatever that thing just come up. And so sometimes I'm singing a song. It's like, Oh, I can hit this note so easily. And sometimes I can't, but like just, it's an expression of that energy. Yeah. Which was one of my big takeaways from Mine. So maybe we can segue. I think it's time. Yeah. I think it's time to segue to yours, dude. Like mine was sunshine and lollipops and well, with plenty of puking too, man. <laughs> with lots of puking. Yeah. <laughs> and mine. So I almost didn't go through with mine. I uh, had been planning on it for over. I really wanted to go to the weekend you did, but then yep. personal reasons I couldn't make it, and it was like the universe. And then I got sick before, and then my family got sick, and it's just almost like so many little roadblocks. It was like, nope, you're not going to this one. Um, and so I was really looking forward to the next one. And then the Sunday before the weekend, I got news that my cousin and one of my best friends growing up, and even, I mean, he was there my first year at college when I went to work in London, uh, a couple of London trips, he went out with me. We chatted all the time. My cousin and best friend uh, took his own life on hmm. Sunday. Um, I mean, 
all signs point that he took his own life. I shouldn't say, I mean, but yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say that he did because yeah. I, I, you know, until I learn otherwise. And I was speaking with you and I think this is one of the, if not the closest death that I've experienced in my life. You know, I haven't lost a parent yet. I've lost grandparents. Those were close. Um, yep. But I didn't hang out with my grandparents. I didn't share a beer with them, you know? You didn't do um, fantasy football with your grandparents. You no. Do, you know uh, what I mean? Like, yeah. he came to our fantasy football stuff. Like, he was, he's, he's a party animal. He's great. Yeah, I fucking love him. Um, Same. So my initial reaction was like, I'm not, I can't go through with the ceremony. But I kept the door open a little bit. And as the week went on, I was like, oh, I, I, I want to do this. I want to do it. And it wasn't to like process his grief or anything. It wasn't to like, oh, maybe this can help me move through the tunnel. It was like, no, it still feels right. And I know I'm still deep in it, but like, you know, it, it is what it is. And so, but leading up to that ceremony, um, I'd read, uh, some Instagram post, someone was talking about grief, you know, it was one of those synchronistic things. Someone, you know, talks about grief and they'd, Recommended recommended uh, creating a grief playlist that reminds you of the person. So I'm like, cool. oh, that's a great idea. But I'm trying to do it. And I'm like, you know what? I just can't couldn't come up with anything. But one of the things that he and I really bonded on was uh, nerdy stuff like comic books and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. And you know, he was there with me in all the premieres of all the Lord of the Rings movies and the Star Wars premieres that we went to. We camped yeah. out for a thing called Trilogy Tuesday when uh, Lord of the Rings came out and where we watched <laughs> all three Lord of the Rings movies leading up to Return of the King in the theater. <laughs> and it premiered at midnight. Um, That's so good. It's so good, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we can't so doubt, good. you know? Oh, and one more memory of that. He was with me with the in The Phantom Menace. So this was leading up to my mission. He was there at college with me. And... We knew Star Wars, you know, Phantom Menace was going to come out. We're so, oh, he went with me the week before. We went to Star Wars Celebration in Denver, nerded out there. And oh we, were, God. we were there and we knew the tickets were going to go on sale like a month in advance to Star Wars Celebration. Or no, to, to the Phantom Menace. And we, we show up at the, this, the theater in Layton and we talk to the manager. We're like, um, when are people going to start lining up for Star Wars tickets? And he's like, I'm expecting him any time now. And this is a week before the, or no, two nights before the tickets went on sale, but a week before the movie premiered. Oh my God. And we're like, can we be the line? And he's like, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so he walked us to the side of the theater, put a rope around us, velvet rope. And was like, all right, you're the line. <laughs> and it was pretty oh cold. It was chilly. It was like April in Utah and chilly. And, and then people started coming and like, what are you guys doing? Like, we're in line for Star Wars. And more people came. And, and that night, the line went on one side of the theater. The next night, it wrapped all the way around the theater and back to buy these Star Wars tickets. Oh, and we had it set up. We had like an RV parked out front to hook up. Anyway, this, that was a long tangent. No, so that's about, the tangent I want, dude. We yeah, just like nerded out together. And one of the songs that talking about Trilogy Tuesday and Lord of the Rings the end of Return of the King, there's a song Into the West sung by Annie Lennox that is like the send-off songs of send-off songs of like uh, this, someone's uh, traveling to the Grey Havens and mm. Into the West and Night has Fallen. It's their time to, for their next adventure. So instead of creating a playlist, I was like, what if I um, learn to play this on the guitar? 
So I was processing my grief through that. Like I would play at first. I couldn't even get through a line of the song without sobbing. And then I could get through most of it without sobbing. And then anytime I would go through it, you know, it was just working through my grief while singing that song. Um, so yeah, you know, get to the ceremony and, um, that first night, um, you know, I had your, your, uh, ceremony in my mind. Cause you had told me yeah. about yours and you had told me about when you were puking a lot, one of the guys there was like, Doug, pick up your guitar and sing. Mm-hmm. And you, you did, you picked up your guitar, guitar and sang. Yeah. And that was in my mind because at first, so that day of the ceremony, I finally found, I've been looking for it for a long time, a weeping Buddha statue. Finally. Finally. And I brought it to the ceremony because the weeping Buddha, I mean, the first time I did Bufo, I was in that pose where, I, you know, you're talking about, I, I cry a lot. Yeah. And you are I, the weeping Buddha as far as I'm concerned. I think I've taken that role on a lot. Um, and so, and in, during that Bufo ceremony, I looked down and saw the well of grief and actually vocalized, oh, there's no end to that. And the facilitator was like, nope, you can, you can be in that well as long as you want, you know, you can choose. And so I had that in mind. Again, I was crying and I had this weeping Buddha statue and I was like, you know what? What if I just give it to him instead? Mm-hmm. And then it was like the energy wanted to move and there was this voice in my head, I guess the spirit of the medicine that was like, how do you want to move the energy? And now, then I wanted to purge. And mm-hmm. so I was like getting in my bucket ready to purge. Um, and then someone started playing their guitar. And by the way, in this ceremony, man, we had the most beautiful musicians and the space that was held was so amazing where it's like, anyone can pick up a guitar. Anyone can pick up a shaker. Anyone can sing. One guy even brought up a didgeridoo at one point. And then we had a gong going on. Dude, it was like a musical smorgasbord. I felt like I had a front row seat to the best ticket in town. He starts playing a guitar song. And I'm like, I'm going to sing the energy out and I'm singing and I'm hitting notes that are so high. I didn't even know I could hit. And Mm. it's, and to me, it sounds haunting and beautiful and authentic and real. And I'm just like, I want to sing from this space all the time. Yeah. And I sang the rest of the night. I didn't purge, even though I felt like it. Oh, I, I did. There was one moment where once that song ended, now I wasn't singing anymore. And I wasn't just going to, I didn't like have the guts to just sing something on my own at the time. I went to, uh, I, I, I needed to scream. And so I grabbed my pillow. First, I'm screaming into the pillow. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. And then I'm like, I know they have a bathroom back in, back in the way of it. Like Hold on. The- <laughs> This bathroom that Mike is talking about is 25 feet away from the space. Like it's, <laughs> Like it is close. It's not like some, you know, West wing, like way down, like far away kind of bathroom. But it's tough. I think that you, there's one wall separating. There's two walls. Yeah. Two walls separating. Well, in my trip space, I go in that bathroom and I just start making noise in that bathroom. And then I start, I'm, I'm roaring like a lion in that thing, (laughs) roaring at the top of my lungs and it feels so good. And I'm just like, you know, just like getting it all out. You're in your own world. You're in your own world. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be, I'm going to go back and tell all these people. They're like, hey, if you need a safe space to go 
somewhere and not be heard. <laughs> There's a bathroom over here. It's going to be great for you. I walk out and one of the facilitators was there to greet me at the door. And she's like, <laughs> gives me the biggest old hug. And is like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I think I'm okay. You know? And, and then I walk into the trip space and I'm like, Oh wow. It's so Everybody. quiet. <laughs> Everybody's sitting there not making eye contact. Not making eye contact with you. Because they've just been listening to you scream and growl. I was can you imagine just hearing the other room to someone in the bathroom hear this? Ah, ah. <laughs> I mean screaming at the top of my lungs, oh man. Oh my god, that's the greatest story you've ever told in your life. I laugh about that story all the time now, dude. Uh, man. they're all just like sitting there quietly, like, like kind of looking at each other. Like we, we don't know what to do about this. <laughs> you know, I hope it snapped them out of their trip. I hope that I was giving them some images to work with as they, you know, heard the scream, <laughs> like the DMTL set, took on a new form as they, <laughs> but then, you know, I'm sorry, dude, it feels good to laugh about that. Like I love laughing about that part. No, I laugh about that. Um, but I get back into the space and the other thing about that night that was really meaningful is that I sang that into the West song, man. Mm. And people sang it with me. There was a woman there who um, sang it with, with me. She had actually, she always oh, interesting because one of the facilitators was also playing a Lord of the Rings song. And it was like Jeez. talking about Lord of the Rings and talking about, uh, bringing in that Lord of the Rings energy. And I was like, oh shit, this is my moment. He's like, cued it up for me. Like this, like this mm-hmm. unconscious being like playing that, like a bit back there with uh, her, uh, like, what do you call it with the maestro, like conductor, the conductor of the <laughs> ceremony. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to cue up this person to bring in the Lord of the Rings theme. Then you come in with into the West. And it was funny. Cause I was talking to this woman afterwards and she was like, I, she learned that song once performed it once. And she was like, oh, I, this would be the perfect moment for this song, but I don't remember it. Or she didn't remember the chords. And then all of a sudden I pick oh, up the guitar. Whoa, dude. That's, that's kind of freaking weird too. Isn't like that freaking the, weird. That's freaking weird. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that part because I mean, what are the odds, dude? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not that popular of a song, you know, or that. Kind of- I don't, I don't know it. Like, I don't know it at all. I, like I, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan and I don't know that song. Like yeah. it's, it, it's dope. Like that's a dope part of the story right there. Right. Well, and then all of a sudden, so she's like, oh my gosh, I wish I, they'd be so perfect to play that song right now. And all of a sudden I'm like talking and giving a tribute to my cousin and then said, I'm going to play this song and we're going to sing him to the gray havens. Oh my God, dude. That gave me the chills. Holy yeah. shit. And I mean, we, she, she probably shit her pants too. Like she was I'm, like, what? Yeah. And I see her all excited. I'm like, oh, she knows it too. And so, and you know, her voice, man, her voice is like otherworldly. Yeah. Yeah. Otherworldly is better description. She is an angel person. And so she sang it with me and I've never sang like that before where it was like, I don't give a shit how this sounds. I'm singing out the grief and the love and the, all the emotions I had for him. And it was, it was one of the highlights of my life, man. It was can I, beautiful. 
Can I give you a compliment real quick about that? Please. Like, we talk, we, I think we talk about music frequently on the podcast. And I think people know that you are a very skilled singer, like a very, very good singer. Um, like you have such a range and like your tone, like everything about the way you sing, just, it makes me jealous. It makes me love you more. Like it's just beautiful. But I'm, I wasn't there that night. And so I have to use my, I have to use my like imagination and sort of tap into some of the stories you've told me and the stories other people have told me that were there. And there's a thing that you have, like there's a real beautiful skill or talent that you have that you're kind of talking about right now, where when there's a song that you may, even if it's a song that you don't know, or if it's a song that someone else has written and they're playing for the first time, you have the ability to sort of tap into that song. Like, like there's a really cool thing that I don't, know how you do it but you have this ability to sort of like breathe with the song and breathe with the music and then you suddenly start finding harmonies and you start finding alternate melodies and you can make your voice real soft or you can go high with it you can go low with it you can go loud with it and i think that that's a really cool thing that you do of of like you really are tapping in energetically to the flow of music and that's so much different than like, like the thing that we've been talking about. Like, it, like, listen, I love the greatest singers of all time. Like, give me Freddie Mercury. Like, give me Elton John. Like, give me some good old, you know, Adele. Like, give me the best singers. But like, th there's also this, the heart part. Like, that heart thing that you have this like clear, pure channel to. It's like, you look, it feels like you're doing a, it's like you're doing a Care Bear stare, Mike. You know, Care Bears when they used to like shoot oh, a little. Yeah. Care Bear beams out of their bellies. Like you're doing a Care Bear stare musically into the ether above you and like finding it. It's like you're, it's like you're wading through this thick, viscous, energetic music and you're just tapping into the like one true thing. It's a beautiful thing about you. I just wanted to give that yeah, very to direct compliment to you um, about that's why I love doing music with you. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, that's one of the best compliments I've ever received. Cause I don't know if we talk about this, but I've always been self-conscious about my voice. Like Ooh. I grew up in a family of singers and we did voice lessons at a young age and my brothers can sing so fucking good. And I was always jealous of that. And I, I, I was the type where I had a lot of like lessons growing up and a lot of choir, but not that authentic voice was restricted, you know? So it was always like polish, but no, like for mm. no, like, and so I feel like it's only recently where I've started to tap into that authentic like voice coming out. And now it's like the stuff I've learned earlier has helped. But before then, I felt like it was like a, you know, was, you hear something that's too too much polish and not authentic, you know? And, and, um, and not, yeah, dude, I, honestly, and I agreed. Like I've, and I've heard your brother sing, like they're great singers and all, and I, I'm not taking away from any of that shit. I want to make sure that I'm not taking away from polished singing like i think polished beautiful like singing is like my favorite thing no and especially i'm just polished and authentic too man oh, like <laughs> yeah now you got the now baby now you got a stew going but yeah. like <laughs> but like anyway i i've seen that evolution too mike like i like it it's it's a thing that you're 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 like stepping into it's a thing that you're like 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 expanding into it's cool it's very cool I as i've that. watched it firsthand it's been uh, a real gift a real treat 
for me. Thank you. And it's felt, and I think that was one of the treats of the weekend for me was like just being able to sing with any song and any music and add my layer to it. And it was like singing high and haunting and the mo. I don't know. It was just, I love singing on medicine is one of my favorite things. Same. And then, it, and then it's transferred afterwards where it's like now, like when I pick up the guitar, I'm not even worried about like, oh, am I harm? Am I hitting the right note or whatever? I'm just like, just singing it. And you know what? If I'm a little flat here, then you know what? It'll work itself out. Whatever. I don't fucking care. Like, I'm just going to sing it how I feel it. And similar to you, Doug, I was like, wow, that was a hard night. It was a hard, a lot of screaming, a lot of crying. You know, I sang a lot of it, but there were hard emotions. And so I was like, I'm ready to party on. Dude, that's such a, it's, it's, it's a trip that it does that to you, huh? Yeah. And so I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to get down. I'm ready to party. Got a, got a purged out, you know, even though I didn't purge, I purged through music. So I was like, I purged out a lot of energy and, and screaming in the bathroom. Right. So <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> a lot of energy was purged. So I was ready to party. Um, and when the medicine kicked in at first, you know, you're talking about that collective thing and channeling stuff. This is my first time ever having this experience where like I was doing this movement and then all of a sudden it felt like this being like entered my body. And I'm like, my hands just start fluttering and I'm like spitting this like energy ball in front of me and I'm whispering it. I'm not doing it. She's doing it. I should say it was a she Mm. and whispering it. And they had like this pyramid, you know, this, a lot of it was tied to these uh, uh, Egyptian deities and Isis and Sekhmet and um, these. uh, And so they had this crystal grid in the middle where you could send energy up to it. And I didn't know that the first time, the second night they brought it up and subconsciously I was like taking these energy balls and throwing them that way. And in hindsight, especially after what you were saying, I wonder if it was part of a, like all energy's coming. You could cry it out if you want to, you can puke it out or you can capture it in front of you and spin it and swirl it and whisper to it and send it up. I don't know, man. It was fucking weird. Dude. And I can't move like I was moving in that space. I was possessed by some entity. And I was telling the story to someone else. You're talking about the DMT elves. I was talking about this story with this woman and she's like, did she have bluish purple skin? And I was like, yes. What? What? Oh yeah. You didn't tell me this part. Yes. Bluish purple skin. I'm hearing this for the first time. And, um, holy shit. Yeah, I don't know who that is, but she's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of people who spend like a woman with like bluish purple skin or whatever. And I was like, yeah, and that's what I was doing. And so it started out in that way and was pretty fucking rad. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't know that. That is craziness. That's so cool. Yeah. And then um then shit got dark, you know. Um, there was a woman there, she was channeling this light language, which was like so trippy, man. Hmm. Had you ever heard light language before? Ah, uh, no, I got accused of doing light language when we did combo, remember? But oh. like, I mean, I, not accused. I mean, I, I uh, the facilitator said that I was doing light language and I was like, I don't know what that was. So that, yeah, that's, that's what my only experience with it. Well, she did. And it took me down to that one carnivaly, like icky yeah. spot. And then things just got really dark. It felt like, um, hooked up to this matrix and then like as hooked up to the matrix, like we we're just hooked up to it and it's controlling us. And then it's like, 
we might die, but we're just going to recycle back and we're caught in this endless cycle and we Mm -hmm. can't get out of it. And it felt hopeless. It felt pointless. It felt meaningless. Mm. And then when I was in that space, I mistrusted everyone around me, everyone in that space. Like I had to leave the space for a while and immediately the facilitator is like, oh, where are you going? You know, this. And I was like, wait, is he trying to rope me back in here? Yeah. And I was like, dude, I'm just getting some air. He's like, I'm just asking how you're doing, man. I'm like, okay, but are you? You know? (laughs) Yeah, dude, that distrust thing is a trip. Ooh, yeah. that's weird. And then, so I got to a spot where like, and this is why I brought up the suicide part. Um, I got to a really dark spot where I was like, oh, I get why someone would want to do this. Hmm. Where it was like so dark where it's like, look, the worst possible scenario is that I end my life and I just get respun in this matrix. And now I'm in some other form and that was going to happen anyway. So whatever. I just sped up the process because I'm done with this one. I'm taking it in my own hands. The next one was, or the best possible scenario is that nothing. You would just go mm-hmm. into this peaceful nothingness of like, no, you don't have to figure anything out anymore. You don't have to feel anything. Just like a, and it was the first time even after leaving the church, I always had this, like, I hope I keep existing. I don't know if there's a, you know, even when I was the most atheist I have ever been, I still maintained a hope that like, I like existing. So I hope I keep existing. This was one of the first times I've ever felt, or the first time I remember feeling like, oh, not existing would be pretty fucking rad right now. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a dangerous siren, huh? Like that, that, mm-hmm. that sense of like, oh, eternal, like like just being done, like rest. Um, like the lack of, the lack of energetic existence, the lack of consciousness, the lack of anything. It's like, well, I'm the same, I'm the same as I was before, which was nothing. Hmm. Like that's a, it's a, it's a, it's just a siren. It's just like every other siren, man. It's just smoking. I let, but I like how you call it a siren. Um, Cause yeah. when you're in it, it feels so real. It feels yeah. so real. And it shook me for uh, a week or two afterwards, even the ceremony. It's like, it's cause it feels so hopeless and so meaninglessness, meaningless. And um, so I was in that sp- space and then I was out in the hall, really in it, just, doing a weird move. I don't know. My body was contorted in a weird way. And one of the facilitators, she comes out and she's like, Mike, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. She's like, are you doing, are you doing okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I don't know. You know, you know, I wasn't being real. I wasn't like, no, I'm going through like, I've never felt this dark before. Yeah. And so she started channeling love to me. And at first I immediately wanted to like, channel it back to her. And I'm like, you know what? Just receive it. So I sat there and in that space, I could not receive it. Nothing could get Mm -hmm. through to me. It felt like she was just bullshitting. It felt like she was just manipulating and, you know, it's all for her personal gain. And then I had like this laugh that kind of snapped me out of it. And I said her name and I'm like, 
you know, I love you. And when I connected to that voice right there, that, <laughs> you know, I love you. It was like, cause I knew how much I loved her and I knew that feeling was real. I knew the feeling I had for her was real. I started thinking about my wife that started thinking about you and my kids and the people in my life that I love. I'm like, I know I fucking love them. I know I loved my cousin or I wouldn't be feeling this. Like I wouldn't be weeping as I played this guitar song unless there wasn't real love there. And you know, when someone takes their own life or when someone dies, I think you have this thing where it's like, if they only knew how much I love them, they wouldn't have done it. And I think there is a part that's true, but like, there's also the part that I'm realizing that like, when you're in that space, it's almost like it doesn't matter how much someone says it to you. If you're in a bad space and you're not receiving it, you're not going to receive it. And so it's like, I was feeling that duality of that. Um, But the rest of the night turned out pretty good because I'd connected to that spot that was like, I know I love people. I know that like, so even if this is a matrix, what a cool fucking matrix that we got to play in here where it's like, we get to have these experiences and meet cool people and go through these dark tunnels and, but then come out the other side and, and sing beautiful music and fuck beautiful people and, you know, eat delicious food and experience life. Um, and that was the remainder of my trip until the next morning that, I mean, that darkness kind of kept coming in waves for weeks yeah. afterwards. Yeah. So that was my trip. So I just, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot. And, and I think the did thing I, that I, I too dark with it, with that. No, not okay. at all. Not at all. Not at all. Dude. Are you kidding me? This is, yeah. this is, listen, people, this is helpful to people. And I, and, and, and I think that your, your, your honesty and, and sort of, and your reality, like your, the reality of what you're telling, you know, that's an important thing of like, we can, we can tell the ones we love that we love them. We can show them that we love them. We can pour out love upon them, but if they're not able to receive it, like you weren't able to receive it, it doesn't matter. And it's not yeah. their fucking fault. And it's not your fault. Mm. It's nobody's yeah. fault. I, <clears throat> sorry about the throat clearing there. I got a little, I'm, I'm a, this is an emotional topic for me, man. Like, um, I think there's a beautiful thing that you did there, Mike. You know, you're, you're going through this despair and hopelessness, helplessness, meaninglessness. Someone that you love deeply is trying to pour love out onto you. Mm-hmm. And only I've, – I've heard you tell the story a few times now. And only when you laughed mm. in the face of despair, like only when you saw the matrix or saw the, 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 the concept of meaningless, the concept of life having no meaning and therefore – we can laugh at it and and ascribe our own unique individual meaning to it. It's that laugh that snapped you out of it. Like, like I'm not trying to fuck around here with with things are real serious and things are real sacred and all of that kind of stuff. But we talk all the time about the importance of holding that holding the tension of the balance of those two things a little bit loosely, like holding that 
meaning and sacred and real serious type of thing. If the more sacred you're going to get, the more vulgar and hilarious you have to get. Mm-hmm. That's just the fucking law of the universe, dude. Like if it's not very sacred and deep and it's not very serious, then you can, it doesn't have to be very funny. But if it gets really, really dark and really, really deep and really, really sacred and really, really serious, it's got to be belly laughs. It's got to be the funniest fucking thing. Like the ludicrousness of how meaningless life is Hmm. has got to be the funniest joke people have ever heard in their life. The cosmic joke, man. It's a cosmic joke. Hmm. You know, we got to beat our drums to both. Yeah. Right? We got to beat our drums to the sacred ways and the cosmic joke. Yeah. Right? My people know that. My people know. Yeah. Shit. Sorry, I I just I I think that that deserves real-time acknowledgement, Mike, mm-hmm. that you you couldn't you could not receive that love. It was not that thing of like, "Oh, I love you too." Like you wanted to like shoot that back immediately, but you didn't feel like you could mean it. No. And so you didn't so you didn't want to profane the whole concept of it by saying empty words to that facilitator who by the way is the greatest person and we both love deeply and channels pure love all the time and like yeah. always channels pure love but and no, in the face like of oh, go ahead. that person in the fa- in, in the face of the person who actually channels the most pure love yeah. I've ever experienced it doesn't matter cuz you couldn't receive it that's a that's an important lesson and it's a, and it's and it's a soft lesson. It's something that can make us feel a little bit of empathy and love for God damn it. We started this thing talking about how we wanted to hate people, and here we are back to talking about fucking love again. Talking about fucking love, right? Um, back going back to love. Um, no, but I like how you said because um, I haven't thought of it that way. Like when I was wanting to channel it back to her. It was going to be bullshit, man. It was. I was. It was going to be from a very inauthentic place. And then when I laughed, yep, I felt the authenticity, and that like you know I fucking love you. And it was like this authentic back, like, and you know I like how you're talking about holding it loosely because what I'm learned in this process at a deeper level because it's a lesson I keep learning is that like when you're in those dark places. It's not hopeless. It's not meaningless. It feels hopeless. It feels meaningless. And allow that feeling to be there. Um, and and I hope that if someone's listening or hope if I ever get to that dark place again, I'll know that's like, oh, yeah, look, it's. I know it's dark right now. Be in that space. Feel it. Tomorrow might be better. Next week might be better. Talk to someone safe. Talk to someone you love. Talk to someone you love. And even if you don't believe that love at the moment, just reach out and just be like, look, I'm in a really dark place and I feel like no one loves me. I feel like everyone's manipulative. I feel like everyone's out for themselves and we're all in this rat race, that this labyrinth we can never get out of or whatever it is you're experiencing. That's how it feels in the moment. And you know, you're looking at that perspective of like a matrix in the middle that's like, and from one side, from a dark side of that matrix, you can be like, holy shit, we're trapped in this thing. There's no meaning and whatever. And this is all a video game or it's all going to disappear one day. You go to the other side and it's like, oh wait, this is all a video game. Like 
and we get to come here and experience it in like these bodies and these avatars and do these cool shit and like, yeah, and uh, meet cool people and experience love and love gained and love lost and you know the experience of the archetypal human existence. And we get to be in it. We don't just get to put on like a headset and like play on like a little controller. Like we get to enter it and be in it and experience all the highs and the lows of it. Not just like watching it on a movie screen. Like, damn, that's fucking rad. But, and then it can go get dark again the next minute. And it's like, but allowing that circling of all of it and not literalizing any of it too much. You know, not getting caught in our own bullshit about like, oh, we're healing in the medicine and this and whatever. And, but also not getting the, in the, caught up in the bullshit of like, oh, this is all meaningless. And like, you know, I don't know. Just like we can get caught up in bullshit a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, uh, I, it's that, that realization is an all timer. I, I, I think it's one of the greats. Like, I mean, you know how they use phrases like laughing in the face of, death or, or, uh, laughing in the face of like laughter is, you know how they say laughter is the best medicine. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah. Laughter is literal medicine. Like laughter is literal magic. It's a literal magic spell. Especially loud laughter. Loud (laughs) laughter is a, and that's why it's probably prevented in the temples because it's probably, it's, 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 it's literal power. It's magic. And so it's like, like, you know, you know, okay. So time equals distance. Right, mm-hmm. tragedy plus distance equals comedy. Mm. Um, meaning, and, and that's I, that's not mine. Um, first of all, it's the name of a Patton Oswalt uh, uh, special, so I can't take any kind of credit for it. Well, but, you that's the first time I've heard it, and I'm loving it. Yeah, right. So time equals distance. Tragedy plus uh, time equals comedy. And, and, and the example that I'll use is this, you were feeling all sorts of things when you went into that bathroom to scream and growl and yell. It was very serious. You were feeling it. Everybody who was in ceremony was also doing some real serious stuff and doing the work and coming face to face with some of their own truths. But now that we tell that story about you screaming during ceremony, <laughs> it's one of the funniest fucking stories that has ever existed. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why it's yeah. important. Like I, I sometimes get ripped a little bit for this, but like, that's why to me it is important to laugh at our pain, to laugh at all the bullshit that happens, to laugh at it all. And I, I hate giving advice. I hate giving advice, but the advice I would give is this. If you are in a dark spot, think about Mike in that bathroom screaming while a bunch of tripping hippies sit in the room next to him listening unbeknownst to him. That's a fun – that's – I don't care who you are. That's pure comedy. That is pure, unadulterated, beautiful comedy. And if in the moment you're in a dark space and it doesn't feel – uh, funny enough to you, scream along with me and see what happens. Scream, <laughs> scream a little bit longer and see if you can like get someone to come check on you. See if you can get somebody to become me like, you know, we can hear you. <laughs> oh, it's interesting. You talked about like the temple being a spell and it is a spell, that controlling spell that's cast on everyone. And until you get to a spot where you can like 
look at that silly hat and the 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 robe and the hand and laugh loud like we did that we were in that space and took that all so yeah. seriously like uh you know oh god hear the words of my mouth and that i mean in a chef's <laughs> outfit like we look like like we look like ratatouille in there like doing oh god hear the words of my mouth come on now i mean it's speaking of ratatouille you had that thing oh. pulling the strings of the like yeah. exactly dude yeah. Okay, now you're going to play Lord of the Rings song. Okay, now, Mike, here you come. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. That yeah, shit's funny, funny, man. man. Everything's funny. Given much, given enough time, everything's fucking funny. Funny. And you know what? I, you know, I know we circled back to funny and love and stuff, but like the thing that's different, though, is that we went through all of that to get there and we didn't jump to it and been like, I'm so grateful for this experience. I'm still know if I'm, I'm, I guess I'm grateful for this experience. I'm grateful for the facilitators who held the amazing space and the beautiful musicians and the lessons I learned and whatnot, but fuck, it was <laughs> but like, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it, man. Fuck it. And I don't know when I want to go do a DMT beverage again. <laughs> yeah, man, that's just, that's just no joke. I'm going to stick to Fresca and kombucha for a little while. Why yeah. not? Right. Yeah. Like, it, it, smoke a little cannabis, like for yeah. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I think we aho that because like, yeah, yeah, man, I feel like I went through a whole journey tonight. Like I'm in a better mood than I was when it's we started, big, man. This I'm in a, like, yeah, I, I was gonna say, I'm just saying, I'm literally in a better mood than I was an hour and a half ago. I talked about those nerves coming out and then we got it all out here, man. And hopefully we didn't dump on the audience here, but like hopefully went on the journey with us because that was fucking fun, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, we started this thing talking about how it's okay to like not think it's all about love and light. And here we are like, you know what though? I know. It's kind of love and light and fuck it all. It's funny. We're kind of I, I'm saying that. Not I'm not speaking for you, but that's how I'm feeling right well, now. Yeah, we're kind of hippies like, at heart, I guess at the end of the day. I know right? it. Okay. And I love everybody. And I'm like, oh, it didn't make that big of a difference. Like, <laughs> who cares? Bye, <laughs> <laughs> right, buddy. All right. Let's love, call it. Okay. Love you. I love you too, man. Thanks for this tonight. Like, I hope that there's one listener out there that got something equal to what I got out of this conversation. Like, I, I rarely say this like, oh, I hope somebody got – I hope someone got something out of this because this was beautiful tonight, man. I got to thank you for it. Like, it was, it, was, it was all therapy I needed today. And I hope they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I really do need to go binge adventure time. Yeah, dude. And go watch – Fucking curb your enthusiasm. There's like 11 seasons. You got like, it's a gift I'm giving to you. Aho. <laughs> uh-huh. Aho. Uh-huh.